Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN. It is episode 45, season 4 of the Rain Drake Talking Podcast. And it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. And uh, we're recording this post NHL trade deadline Friday night. So we're aptly calling this our special NHL trade deadline recap episode. Ray Ferraro, comfortably in his hotel room in Boston, spent the day, right, Ray, with. Well, you, look, yep. you did some cameo work with TSN, but spent sure. the majority of the day at ESPN. By the way, that brings us up, or brings this up. I tweeted about it because I just saw it. One of your ESPN colleagues uh, said, "Oh, the, AJ, isn't she funny?" Hey, hey, hey. Well, the only reason yeah. I I found it amusing is because you and I are essentially the same height, right? I mean, I might have but a she's under six feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, for anyone who hasn't seen it, have a look. I mean, there you are, sitting comfortably, you know, minding your own business, but your feet are, like, dangling in the air because they don't quite get all the way down. And, I mean, that happens to me often. It happened to me even most of the day behind a desk, mind you, so nobody would rudely take a video in the fashion that AJ did. But good fun. Look that you guys were having some laughs. Well, the, the funny part about that is AJ was at home. She picked that up off the TV. <laughs> And that's even better. Oh yeah. She's, <laughs> and she's also like, seriously, she's three to four inches taller than me. Anyway. You're right. Yeah. So she can make any joke she wants <laughs> and I got nothing, <laughs> I got nothing back. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I, now I got to get to work. I got to get back somehow. Yeah. That was excellent work. By it, it was fun. It was fun. And look, we're going to investigate some of the NHL trade stories, not just and, deadline day being Friday here, but, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, the lead up to, and I mean, it was circus chaotic. But first of all, and we're going to talk Chris Abbott a little bit, you know, about the trade deadline and how this might am- impact the the Stanley Cup favorites from Botano.ca coming up as well. You know, I'm sitting in studio and there are a mass of people around us, of course, Studio 6 at TSN, and you're joining us, you know, from ESPN. And it dawned on me as I'm watching all of the shenanigans go on, like, you know what, maybe we, maybe we're finally getting this. So there were 21 NHL trades today. I mean, there were 40 plus leading into the day, but if you don't have the entertainment factor, I mean, of course you need the breaking news and you need the analysis and the opinion, but I think, you know, sports fans just demand a little bit more too. Right. And I mean, you got that in your analysis and, your time at, at ESPN today. And I'm looking at it again at all the craziness going on at TSN Studio 6 and going, hmm, I, I mean, I would, I, I think I'd be entertained by this if I were watching from home because you can't always rely on the blockbusters because today there weren't any blockbusters. No, and the, you go to your TV for two reasons, for news and for entertainment. Yeah. Right? There's no other reason to go no. and watch television. So if there is no news, there better be entertainment, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's really it. And yeah. so I think there was a time when we always expected more to happen on that day. Yeah. There was also lots of times where there were some big deals that were hanging around and you knew at some point they were going to happen. What I found this week was, or last two weeks with the salary cap so tight, the deals were so much more complicated. They yeah. took more time to execute. And if you were waiting till the end, you couldn't because there wouldn't yeah. be enough time to get that contract through to the league. 
And that really became a factor in, in what we saw today, which was Oof. a bunch of smaller deals and everybody else's deals, the big ones, completed. Right. Okay. Well, in headlines in episode 45, you know, again, anticlimactic day being deadline day with the 21 transactions. So why don't we go team by team with the movers and the shakers over the last couple of weeks? All right. And let's start with, uh, why don't we start with the Ottawa Center? You know, that Patrick Brown, tri- no, I'm kidding. I mean, Patrick Brown's a depth center. Good on him. I mean, I was Pierre- like, where are you going with that? Well, look, I'm not being disrespectful. Pierre Dorian said he was going to add a depth center. He gets that, Patrick. Clearly, we're talking about Jake Chikrin and how, you know, Chikrin landed in the lap of Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. But, you know, as it turns out, the slow play for Dorian in Ottawa was the best one. May not be a play that qualifies them for the playoffs. Let's let's see how that goes with the remaining games. But your thoughts on Chikrin ending up in Ottawa? Well, you would know better than me, but it feels like since this thing went on for a year and a half, that that Arizona overplayed their hand. Yeah. Thought they were going to have more teams involved with more significant assets. And then Boston went a different direction. And by doing that, Boston pulled the rug out of two deals. They pulled the deal out of uh, Arizona for Chikrin. Yeah. The rug went out and Columbus with Gavrikov. Correct. Those were kind and so I think it's really, really important for people to realize that just because you're talking to one team, you know that team's talking to other people as well. So Arizona is, they're trying to play this and one team off another and trying to get the two first rounders plus a first rounder that's already in the league. And well, they they didn't get any of that. Mm -hmm. And for other reasons, it didn't work. Now, Ottawa was also involved in those talks for a significant period of time. And they weren't, they weren't going to trade Shane Pinto and they weren't going to trade Ridley Gregg. Right. And so as they're looking around and and Pierre Pierre Dorian said publicly at least twice, probably three times this year, we want to find a defenseman. And it just never happened because the prices weren't in the area he was willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't work. It didn't work. He's looking in other places. And then all of a sudden he's kind of the last guy standing. Yeah. So by staying true to what he was willing to pay, he ended up with the player that kind of fits best for him with the age and the contract. And he didn't touch anybody on his roster. It's good for Ottawa. They're, they've had an exciting couple of weeks. They're close. Yeah. They could get in. Sure. Why not? And if they don't, man, are they ever primed, really primed to make a step again? You're right, though. I mean, Boston, LA, and even Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton was down the path in negotiations with Arizona and Jake Chikrin. It wasn't right. coming together. Sage old veteran Kenny Holland goes, all right, I'm out. I've got plan B and plan B might be plan A. And that's Matias Ekholm with Nashville Predators. And I think that that's what maybe Arizona fans have the most difficulty trying to make sense of. They look at the deal that Nashville got for Matias Ekholm. They look at the deal that Arizona got for Jake Chickern and they're like, all right. Anyway, at the end of the day, from a senator perspective, they ended up with the best. Okay, but so here, that's a good point, though. Price that Ken Holland paid for Broberg partly was because, or Ekholm, I'm sorry, Ekholm, was partly because Chikrin was still there. Right. And as soon as Bro, or as soon as uh, Ekholm was gone, now the price drops because there is no other competitors for Pierre Dorian. Yeah. Some of it is timing that you make. Some of it is just timing that happens. 
and I'm assuming GMs end up on both the good and the bad side of that timing. <laughs> Yeah. Right from time That's to time, they're going sure. to end up on the good side, and then yeah. whoops, that didn't work. And <laughs> there's so many teams in the East that we could focus on, and and we do have to get to three or four more here as we sort through. The chip to add to the Bruins, you know, I look. How do you award the general manager of the year at this point? You know, and there are a number of candidates that are deserving of at least some level of consideration, but to pivot the way that Don Sweeney and the Bruins have. Is pretty impressive stuff. Like, I mean, a great team that got that much better when they acquired Orlov and Hathaway from the Washington Capitals. Right. You know, we got a problem with Taylor Hall, you know, and he's going to be out a number of weeks, put him on long-term injury. Nick Foligno, yeah, he's he's probably done end of the season. See how he is with the playoffs. So let's go out and snag Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, that's some pretty tidy work, I would say, by Don Sweeney. Really, really great work. Oh, oh. I think I said last week, a perfectly, in my opinion, constructed team. But you know what's really cool when I think of that? Do you remember Don Sweeney's first draft? I don't really. I'd have to think about it. It was the draft 2015. Yeah. They accumulated picks hoping to move up in the draft. Correct. Yeah. It blew up on the draft floor. He ended up with three picks in a row. Yeah. I remember Don sitting at the table, his first draft. You know, the camera, of course, is on him. He's got, you know, he's head shiny, he's sweating. He's like, you know, like just didn't work. <laughs> These years later, the experience he's put together, what they built in Boston piece by piece. They, yeah. Now he's got the wherewithal and the composure to leave enough room, to have enough room to make this trade that really was significant for them, given the injuries. Yeah to Hull and Felino, two left wingers. So it's funny, six years, <laughs> you know, can you hang on for six years to gain the experience? A lot of guys don't get that, right. but he did. And I look at the Bruins as the best team and they got better. Right. I mean, how about the start Orloff's had? Unreal. You're kidding me. Yeah. Couldn't dial it up any better. No chance. All right. Not to put words in your mouth, Timo Meyer, the best player traded of all of them with great respect to some of these guys traded. And if, if you... If you say yes to that, then does Tom Fitzgerald and the New Jersey Devils deserve our acknowledgement for arguably getting the best forward available via trade? Oh, I, I think he's he's the most impactful one. Yeah. Now, of course, there's Patrick Kane and Tarasenko, and they have yeah. a larger yeah. resume and larger name brand, sure. if you will. Timo Meyer is in, the, is in the peak of his career, Yeah, 25 years old. The Devils... You know, they, they've been out of the playoffs a long time. They've accumulated young players, top of the top of the draft players, Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier as, yeah. as number one overall picks in particular. Uh, last year, they used seven goalies. They need a goalie. Fitzgerald makes that trade for uh, Vidic Vanacek. And Vanacek is having a great year. For, mm-hmm. Solidified the position. And now they've got a couple of free agents that they didn't trade nor sign. Like Damon Severson would be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they go get Meyer. Man, the Devils are good. Yeah, they're yeah. really good. I, uh, Fitzgerald deserves a lot of credit for that. Him and his team for putting those deals together. And he's already got the pencil sharp, right? He acknowledged that yeah. he's engaged with Jesper Bratt, talking yeah. about the idea of an extension, waiting on a response from his people. And you know the Devils are heavily motivated to extend Timo Meyer. So it's it's a matter of time before they get that contract mm-hmm. work. Oh, and Drake's, if yeah. I can put yeah. one more thing. Yeah. End of the year. Oh yeah, here comes Luke Hughes. Oh boy, out of college. No kid. They've got 
Simon Nemitz, yeah. their first round pick from last year was in the American League. Yeah. They have got a pipeline of young guys coming too that have the potential to be significant contributors. We talked about the moves that Toronto made. I'm trying to think. I guess we haven't acknowledged you mentioned the Rangers and, and Tarasenko and Patty Kane. Uh so we've talked about Toronto. Let's get to to the New York Rangers now. Mm. Is there enough of puck to go around? Mm. With all those forwards, I mean, I I watched them against the Ottawa Senators on Thursday night. They had a five-minute major, right, with Austin Watson punted from the game with the high hit on on Tyler Mott. And, I mean, part of your job is analyzing a power play, and I'm certainly not going to slice and dice the New York Rangers power play with Patty Kane playing his first game in a Rangers uniform. Right. Bigger picture for me is, is... is it possible to have too much of a good thing? The amount of offensive weapons that they have in New York now? Yep, 100%. Okay. Uh, the power play will be complicated. Uh, here's why. You have one of the game's best one-timers in Mika Zibanejad, and they had him playing in the bumper position. Mm, yeah. That's like, you know, playing a basketball center as a guard or, you know, as your, your best, you know, in baseball, your best catcher, you're going to put him in center field. Mm-hmm. It's like it just... It looks wrong. It feels wrong. Yet, which one of those guys, Kane or Panarin, are you going to take off the flank? That's hard. Yeah. Right? So, like, they have, you can say it's a good problem if you can solve it. Otherwise, it's just a problem. And and I think it's a complicated one because Zabanajad's best spot is on the top of the left circle. He, Pasternak, Ovechkin, Tage Thompson. They shoot that one-timer from the top of that left circle at, at the top of the class. Yeah. And now you're going to take Zibanejad and move him somewhere else. I, I think it it will be interesting to see how Gerard Gallant gets all of those spaces occupied with who and at what time. Yeah. I mean, it's a chemistry experiment there. So they've got time and let's see how it pans out. Let's, let's go back to deadline day being Friday as we record here. And some of the things that didn't happen. I mean, that's, that's always interesting to hockey fans. Sure. I mean, you and I are on the same page when we look at the Carolina Hurricanes and how good a team that is. Yes. You know, we had Rod Brindamore on the Ray and Dregs podcast. And at that time, you know, Max Pacioretty was, was on the cusp of coming back and he was so excited, right? To get this weapon into his lineup and how great it was going to be. And just sadly for Max and for the Hurricanes, you know, he suffers another Achilles issue out long term and... Now the Hurricanes, yeah, they've got a ton of cap space, but they they lose a world-class player. So now they need scoring help. And I know that Donnie Waddell was in a lot of different conversations. The dust settles and he gets Shane Goss to spare, who adds a little bit of mobility and push from, from his defensive side, and a salary dump in Jesse Pugliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers. How big of a miss is this for Carolina? Or when you look at the available forwards... With Timo Meyer again, top of class, we know Carolina was in on that, right? right? So is it as big a miss as it feels, just given the opportunity here that this organization had? It feels like a miss, but sometimes the player's not there. Yeah. Like, I think anybody can look at Carolina and go, they they dominate, play lots of nights. They have the puck a lot. They have one of the largest shot differentials of anybody in the league. Their goals for and against are miles apart, right? They're, yeah. They're yeah. in really good shape, but it feels like it feels like they needed a goal scorer. And and you're right. That's what the whole plan of of Max Pacioretty was. 
they didn't need a complete player. They needed somebody to shoot the puck in the net once in a while. But if you can't get them, mm. you can't get them. Now, I guess you can always get a player if you're willing to pay an exorbitant price. And Carolina obviously got to a point where they said, that's it. This yeah. is as much as we're going to offer. And past that, we're not going to offer anything. So they've got a really good team. It, it kind of feels like they're the issue that stung them last year was they could have used an easy goal as they got into that Ranger series late mm. in the series, and they just didn't get it. Yeah. So their offense has to still come from Svechnikov, who can be hot or cold, from Aho, who's not a, you know, a, wouldn't be considered a one-shot scorer, from Seth Jarvis, who's still a little young, but a, a really good young prospect player who's going to score some goals. Martin Nechas has had a fabulous year, but after that, you get into a lot of hope. Yeah. And they're a really good team. I wouldn't want to play them, but sometimes you just, you get shut out and it's all you got. Some wondered about James Van Riemsdyk and the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers and whether, you know, he might be a fit there. And, and to your point, okay, JVR might be capable of being that, being able to put the puck in the net, to shoot it in the net. But what he's not capable of, at least in my opinion, at the state of where he's at in his career, is playing the attack game that the the Carolina Hurricanes like to play, right? He's, he's, okay, so say he can't yeah. play him on your fourth line. You're going to trade a fourth round or third round pick at most. Right. Clearly, Philadelphia didn't get anything for him. So as it gets near the deadline, you would have been able to offer, you know, anything. significantly less, really. Yeah. And if he's on your fourth line and he plays on your power play, Maybe that's enough. If you play him for 10 games and go, you know what? This isn't working. Well, it's a fourth round draft pick or a third round pick. I, you know, that's a hypothetical the pick, but it wasn't going to be more than that. So why not take a swing at it? They obviously felt just to your point that that was, that was a deciding factor for them was his foot speed and whether he could play on their team. Chuck Fletcher, GM of the Flyers, said in his, his post deadline remarks that he really only had one team express legitimate interest. And that turns out to be the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, they just couldn't get it figured out because Detroit was trying to move another player and, and they weren't able to do that. So the deal fell apart. And man, the Philadelphia media, they are Oof. after Fletcher, like there's no tomorrow here. And, and given everything that's gone through with the Philadelphia Flyers, not just deadline wise, just everything for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. You know, yeah. Chuck's He's in trouble. I mean, that's not breaking news. We can all see that. I'm surprised he wasn't able to get something for James Van Riemsdyk. Something. Like, Kelly McCrim, the Vegas Golden Knights, with $3 million in cap space based on other haggling and, and the fact that, you know, Stone probably isn't coming back before the playoffs. But again, maybe this is an indictment of what other hockey minds see or better yet don't see in JVR. But I are, are you... At all surprised somebody didn't step up and say, here's a fifth round pick. And yeah, you got to retain some salary, but we're willing to to take a bit of a risk here on this player. Uh, I am surprised, but I'm also surprised that because I, I do think Philly's stated they're in like, like a full rebuild. Have to be. Yeah. But I want to say, you know, given John Tortorella's comments in that letter a couple of weeks ago, we're nowhere near where we need to be. There's going to be change. And however, the letter was stated, I'm paraphrasing, is that anything is something because now you're Ben Reemstein's going to leave. You're going to get nothing. Well, leave or whenever, wherever he's going to sign, it's not going to be in Philadelphia. And so there's an asset gone. I don't At some point, at some point, do you not have to go? Anything is better than I not getting, so. not getting anything in July. 
I think that's so. what's going to happen. Yeah. Given the state of where they are, that's not the same for every player and every team, but they're, they got a long way to go there mm. in Philly for sure. Agreed. All right. Why don't we wrap up this version of headlines in the special NHL trade deadline recap episode with the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I'm going to bring it up only as a point of an example. On occasion, especially around trade environments like this, we report on scenarios, right? And and yep. discussions that happen. And particularly on a day where we knew it, it was going to be relatively slower. So you come in armed with information, right? I mean, in the day we're on the air for eight, nine hours. We've got to talk yep. about stuff. So right. I I knew that there had been ongoing discussions between the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins about JT Miller, right? And constant media speculation on, well, you know, is, is there going to be a connection with Brock Besser, all of that? There was limited interest in Brock Besser. And maybe that changes in the summer. Who knows? But man, that market gets whipped up in a hurry. And, you know, from the reporting of, of others in Pittsburgh and around the National Hockey League, further to my reporting on the discussions that Vancouver was having with the Pittsburgh Penguins on J.T. Miller, I mean, it just seemed to snowball into something. And at the end of the day, it turns into nothing because the Canucks weren't able to find the right fit for either player. But it makes it pretty clear, or at least it does to me, that because of the cap issues that the Vancouver Canucks continue to wrestle with, that one or potentially both of these guys are likely going to get dealt with in the summer. That 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 seems to make the most sense to me. Well, you sure as hell know more than me. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's for sure. JT Miller's contract, I believe the no trade kicks in July 1st. Yes. Yeah. So if it's happening, you know, like everybody holds this trade deadline, like it's, you know, like it's the Drives end of me the crazy. day. Yeah. Because really the end of day for this season is the draft. It's not now. Right. How many, Drake's, you've been doing this a long, long time. How many deals get talked about now that fall short that happen in June? I know. I would assume it's countless, right? Yes. It's something you file away. And yes. Then, yeah. I'm going to check on that in late May. Yeah. And so, I, again, I don't know, but I would suspect that if they were talking about it now, they're going to be talking about it in May. Right. Yeah. And and I think that's the same across the league yeah. for other deals that felt like they might happen and they just didn't happen. Like we just talked about the Flyers. They, you know, there were discussions around Ivan Proveroff yeah, and yeah. didn't happen. No. Doesn't mean it won't happen in, in June at the draft. Yeah. And I also, you know what, here's what I take issue with. It doesn't matter which management group we're talking about here. Any group in the National Hockey League, we're being specific here to Vancouver and Pittsburgh because they had the dialogue. But, okay, sorry, Ron Hextall and the Pittsburgh Penguins are in desperation mode because they're looking for help to make the playoffs. <laughs> that doesn't make them a bad management group, and nor does it make Patrick Alvin and the Vancouver Canucks management bad people for having those conversations. I mean, that's that, what you that, do. Here's here's the one part, though, that makes it more difficult, and this is guys and girls like you, is that the conversations, the exploratory talks, used to happen and we knew about them. Right. Now there's always an outlet for people to understand. So when they don't happen, yeah, more people know about them and the frustration builds. Yeah. And then people start evaluating trades that didn't happen. Well. Wow. Which is which is kind of crazy because the deal didn't happen. Yeah. 
but that's more information leads to more talk, leads to more speculation. And so in Pittsburgh, they're sour Man. that Michael Granlin was their big addition in Vancouver. When I say there, I'm saying the, the fans, yeah, they're sour yeah. because they wanted more. They wanted major surgery now, maybe not in the summer. Yeah. And so everybody's unhappy. I, I, you're right. I only blame yourself. I only blame you, Drake. I was just going to say, and we'll leave it with this because it's the, it's part of the perils of doing the job that I have to do. You remember the, the trade that didn't happen between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Toronto Maple Leafs, whereby Marc-Andre Fleury would have ended up potentially right. in Toronto. I still have people who, I, I mean, I wouldn't call them good sources, but people that would respond to me and we'd communicate professionally, well, even, they don't even want, it's like, they see me coming down the street, it's like exit stage left, you're dead to me. Anyway, I'm so good far stuff. down in my career that that stuff, I'm amused by it as opposed to being worried or offended. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between. They have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. Oh, look at that. There he is, Chris Abbott from Matano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, Matano says the game starts now. And Chris is joining us here on the special NHL post-trade deadline recap edition. We're calling it episode 45 of the Rain Rigs podcast. And I don't know if you've had time to digest all this, Abs, but I know we teased the idea of, all right, post-trade deadline, we're going to have a look at the potential Stanley Cup favorites, according to the good people that invest the time like you do in charting these things. So have you had enough time in what you've seen, not just today being, you know, post-trade deadline, but maybe the last few weeks, maybe go all the way back to the Bo Horvat trade to the New York Islanders. So who's your Stanley Cup favorite based on what we've seen on the trade front? Well, if you believe on the, if you believe the, the odds, it's it's still the Boston Bruins, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say, and, and I know you've put in a tough couple of weeks, Dregs, but we didn't see any movement on the odds from this morning to tonight on trade deadline Shocking. day. Let me tell you that there was nothing. There was nothing. Listen, as much as I love Zach McEwen, guy's got a great story. Fought his way from junior A all the way up, so I was happy to see him go to a contender. I thought that was yeah. awesome. But yeah, not even not even a good maritime boy like Zach moved the odds. So you still got Boston, you still got Colorado, and then you know, kind of the the Leafs are there, the Devils are there. But the more we talk about this kind of arms race in the East or whatever terminology you want to use, the more I think that whoever gets through is going to be limping. There's going to be black aces in the lineup. And I'm thinking you're going to see a Western Conference team with pretty good long shot odds right now. So after Colorado, you've got like Edmonton and Dallas who are who are double digit, you know, plus 15, plus 1700 to get through. Those are who I got my eyes on right now. Will the odds change much between now and the end of the season? And if so, what could change them? Injuries? Anything else? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, when you look at the standings, we, especially in the Eastern Conference, I don't think we'll see much change, right? Everyone's kind of locked in. You might see 
a flip at the top of the Metro, maybe. But I don't think you're going to see, you know, those top six teams are, are pretty much in there. So I don't think we'll see a lot of changes there. And the East is kind of driving the odds. So, yeah, it would take a major injury to yeah. to hurt somebody's chances. Like, you know, two games in a row now, Brad Marchand's had an injury. But even if he was out, as valuable as he is, that team is still going to be the favorite. It would take multiple injuries from a front-running team to knock them off the base. So I'm not sure you can answer this question, but if we look at the Carolina Hurricanes as an example, because most people would look at what the Canes didn't do. Uh, you know, and, and Ray and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know, they add Shane Gossespierre, they add Jesse Pugliarvi, who's really a salary dump from the Edmonton Oilers. Let's see how it works out for them. But does that, do you think, impact you know what they might do from a, a gambling perspective because they've had such a terrific year for the most part to this point yeah you know the trade deadline is is kind of so late in the year in the nhl that that i don't know that it you know barring some monster monster moves i don't know that it even hurts a team like carolina i think everything's so bunched up in the east there right now that yeah you know Maybe you'll get a couple of days of action on teams that's that you know the perception is they added more and, and therefore they will do better. But I mean, you know, Carolina's a, a good hockey team, so yeah. you know maybe they didn't feel the need to to add a whole bunch uh, at the deadline. So I wouldn't think it changes too much, but it, it could be a good opportunity to jump on a team that was you know maybe suspiciously quiet. Mm, I need your gol- golf help momentarily, but what's on the radar for I've you? I've never huh? had anyone say that to me, Dregs. Oh, yeah, I mean- <laughs> yeah. normally I would concede and I'd go to Ray first on this. It was just a general question to the two of you, but I, I do need some help because I'm in a golf pool on Sunday. We're recording this Friday night post-NHL trade deadline, but for Batano.ca, what's the next big ticket? Is it March Madness, as we talked about last week? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's an interesting time of year because uh, you've got March Madness coming up. I think if it kicks off on the 14th or tips off is the proper thing to say. We're coming down the yeah. stretch in the NBA and the NHL. You've got the golf ramping up. You know, tennis, even though, you know, we, we won't see another major for a little bit. You know, they're back in the swing every single weekend. F1 is kicking off. Over the last two or three years, I would say <laughs> F1 is the sport that has seen the most growth in betting yeah. activity in North America. Nice. It's been – it's always been popular in, in Europe as we know, right? Sure. But – you know, the drive to survive series. And now, you know, guys are betting it. Guys are getting up Sunday morning. There's guys now betting the qualifying and the practice, which you yeah. never see. You'd never see that in, in Canada a few years ago, not widespread anyhow. So I'm interested to see how that goes this season. All right. Good deal. All right. As I mentioned, Ray, I'll start with you. So I'm in this golf pool and just, you know, you should pick golfers. I don't know where I'm going. It's a snake draft, right? So I don't know where I'm going to draft. Right, right. I'm just... I'm hoping, of course, that I draft first overall. So automatically, common sense tells you, you look at the qualifiers and make sure that the guys you're picking qualify for all four of the majors because it's a major-specific golf pool. So I'm thinking either Rom, Scheffler, or maybe Rory. Ray? Yeah, well, you'd be hard-pressed to <laughs> think any of those picks are, are no good, right? Like, they're yeah. those are terrific players. As you get down further... Check out Max and Max Homa. Oh yes, right? like that Max Homa. Uh, writing it did down. You watch, did you watch the uh, the I golf did. thing? Yeah. Uh, Mito Pereira. People oh, seem yeah. to think he's a player that's on the rise. Yeah. So I I would. There's a couple of guys that you'll get okay. you know lower down the the page that people won't look to first because the big names will all go. Exactly. You know, if you're drafting tenth, you know the three guys you mentioned. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> no gone. chance. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
What are you, Abs? What do you think? Well, you know, Ray brings up an interesting point because, you know, the big names are the big names are the big names. But when it comes to the majors, uh, you know, what a lot of guys do who know what they're doing, I don't know how much time you have before you before you have to do this, but dig into the statistics. We talk a lot about, you know, analytics in other sports. You look at look at these courses and the greens are generally harder, right? The rough is usually wrong, longer. So who, who plays better out of the rough, you know, yeah, even if they end up, good idea. you know? Who's whose greens and regulation is is high? Who's who's Look at Drake. not He's taking, taking the extra notes putts? Over there. Drake. Taking notes. But, <laughs> but you know when you're when you're doing that, especially if it's multiple rounds, like you might find a few gems, you know, yeah. that help you out overall in your team. So that's that's what I suggest is is dig into the analytics. Imagine I'm saying that, but I am. So be careful with Deschambeau. Okay. No, well, that's, that's it. I mean. yeah. yeah, I mean, all right. You, you, I you know what? Him. Another guy. Another guy. Would you got to take a peek at is Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Fabu- fabulous player. Fabulous he always player. goes high too, as well. All right, fellas, I appreciate that. I'll let you know on Tuesday when we do episode forty-six where I ended up. Chances are, again, and I don't know if there's twelve, fifteen guys. I'll be the guy that picks like seven or eight, right? Yeah, so well, then you're right in the mud. Right it's terrible. Yeah. All right, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Have a good hey, week. Thanks, fellas. All right, like right back at you. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing this. I know you've had a long day. You're, you've traveled in you the too, process. Man. You too, Yeah, but we'll, uh, Saturday, one o'clock on ABC. Yeah. Rangers and Rangers and Bruins. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that. Well, I thinking the Rangers are going to have a little bit extra pop too, because I don't know if it was like Ottawa's playing some good hockey right now, aren't mm. they? You know, Brady Kachuk yeah, has are. that team fired right up. So somebody mentioned today. Brady Kachuk is Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> and I'm like, he is. He's like, everywhere Gronkowski went, there was like noise and chaos and production. And that's Brady Kachuk. When Dylan Larkin hit him earlier in the week. Oh, yeah. And then Kachuk scored. Yeah. And he's going, keep your head up. Like, Man, that's that's some old school stuff. By I'd love to see Brady Kachuk in the playoffs. Oh, I, I really would. Because so I, I think he'd be in a frenzy. For yeah. the whole series. You know, we're we're going to need more fodder for headlines in the future because the deadline's now passed and the playoffs aren't quite there. So, we're, But let's have a conversation, too, not just about Brady Kachuk, but the influence of Claude Giroux because, Unreal. man, I mean, he's, he's a terrific hockey player, but I've learned some stuff about him and how he interacts with players in practice and how he's mentored Brady and all those things. But anyway. Okay, great, great idea. Yeah. Because here's what I thought. When he signed in Ottawa, it felt like to me, hometown guy. Yeah. You know, more or less heading home to run out the string. That's what it felt like to me. Was yeah. I wrong? He's been outstanding for them. As we sign off here, episode 45, you know what it means? You know what it says to me, Ray? That it's the weekend. It's the 3rd of March wrapping up. And it is the beginning of Mail It In March. That's what it is. Oh, for Drake's Mail It In March. (laughs) Yes. You insiders love this time. All of a sudden, little skip in your step. Oh, yeah. Bobby back. I told him today, I said, Bobby, you know, you invented Mail It In March, but I think I'm going to try and extend it into April. And then May (laughs) might be a little tricky because now you got playoffs coming late April, right? So we'll. Yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Travel safe. Enjoy the game. We'll be watching tomorrow afternoon, Saturday afternoon on ABC. And uh, I look forward to Tuesday. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope trade deadline was interesting. The last two weeks sure were. And enjoy the weekend. We'll talk next week.
Yeah, big shout out to our forget Tuesday episode 46. We'll start fresh and start looking to the playoffs. Until then, stay safe, everybody.